From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet. This is Idaho Matters. Late last year, the city of Boise created a task force to look at the number of deaths and injuries caused by car crashes, a number that has been going up dramatically over the last 20 years. It's called the Vision Zero Task Force, and its members are digging into the history of traffic accidents in Boise and in Idaho, and they're considering solutions in a new way, looking beyond individual incidents and considering a systemic approach. So today, we're taking a deep dive into the issue with Jimmy Halliburton, Boise City Council person Nina Pinar, Boise Bicycle Project Director of Bicycle Advocacy, and Alexis Pickering, Ada County Highway District Commission President. They sat down with our Morning Edition host, George Prentice. Let's take a listen to their conversation. I have been using the word epidemic. And I looked up the meaning of the word epidemic. What it means is way too many instances. We're, we're at a, a critical moment here, are we not? I think epidemic is the right word. Crisis mm-hmm. is a good word. Yeah. I think that this last year, 2023, we saw um, more traffic fatalities and more serious injuries in Boise, in Idaho, across the country mm-hmm. um, than we've seen for the most part in history. And so you're seeing a higher amount of people out there walking and biking, um, getting hit, victims of traffic violence, but you're seeing it for drivers of cars too. And I think what it's telling us is that the systems that we've had in place for so many years are not working, um, and we need to be making some major, major changes. So I think that that's a good word to be using. Yeah, are you good with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. We're going to talk about this task force. What did it take to create this task force? So the city of Boise, in partnership with ACHD, the Ada County Highway um, Department, started a traffic fatality review task force um, mm-hmm. just at the end of 2023. And I think what we saw was this rising amount, one after another, people, elderly, kids, um, family members getting hit and killed. And we knew that we needed to do um, something about it. And I think we needed to know we needed to broaden the discussion. Mm-hmm. And what we we're realizing is that ACHD was doing stuff. They were doing good things. The city of Boise was doing good things. The police department was doing good things. But we were sort of doing them in silos. And we weren't having those conversations together at the same time. So we put together this task force to make sure that we were meeting on a regular basis, not just this year, but forever going forward, so that whenever there was a traffic fatality or a serious injury, we were looking at that specific incident, going through bit by bit by bit together in the same room and trying to figure out, is there anything that could have been done differently um, to have solved this problem? Is there infrastructure that could have been changed? Is there policies that we could put in place Is there additional enforcement potentially that we need to have on these issues so that we're looking at these um, situations as individual cases, but then we're also looking for larger patterns and bigger pictures. So if this happened at this intersection, well, there's another intersection two blocks away with the exact same characteristics. So if we fix it here, we actually need to be fixing all of them at the same time. Without an actual review board or people having those intentional discussions, there are some changes that will get made, but they're maybe not the systemic changes that we want to see all across the valley. Um, Commissioner Pickering, the the highway district, to be clear, is in a position to make change. Uh, You are in a position of oversight and and authority, curb to curb. Yeah, I was going to add that, George. And so for those of you that are listening that don't know what ACHD is, the Ada County Highway District is in charge of managing, maintaining, and and building out the infrastructure for Ada County that excludes um, the state transportation system. And so, you know, we're a five-member board of commissioners that are elected by Ada County residents by district. 
I am currently the president of the commission and represent Garden City, Boise, but we all really look at how can we better serve the whole county and have a regional perspective. And I think the the benefit of the model, it was created by Voter Initiative in 1971, is that we are really cost efficient when it comes to making sure that we have standards. Not every city has the same standards in terms of the culvert size, the quality of the pavement, right? There's that consistency there. We saw it, how it worked really well with the snow removal of this last um, right. snow event, right? And so the the model is the only thing of its kind in the country where we have a single highway district that serves six cities and a county. And there's definitely some benefits, but one of the trade-offs is sometimes we can create these silos. And historically, ACHD hasn't been really good about communicating with these cities and understanding how the transportation system and infrastructure that we're building, maybe in 1990, that was prioritizing cars over all else, is no longer going to be safe when we've got the numbers of people moving into Ada County and those conflicts are more likely to rise. So it requires a shift of the commission and the agency, as well as the cities, to say, okay, with the growth that we're experiencing the, the types of behaviors that we're seeing as well in drivers, it definitely needs us to really re-engineer our roads for safety first and not convenience. So we're working through that and we can talk more about what are some of those, um, the things that we're making some progress on. But it's definitely, a, a, a safety is a massive priority for ACHD and the Board of Commissioners. And I was elected in 2020. I'm up for re-election this year. And just in the span of the three years that I've been on the commission, we've made a huge swing to the positive in terms of understanding what is like the root cause of these crashes. And it's just extremely unfortunate that we're seeing this many crashes and deaths. Um, but really, me and I'm not going to speak on behalf of my commission, fellow commissioners, but it's really just a culmination of this you know, older way of thinking, how we move people in cars. And it's just really kind of hitting us in the face now because we've got to, I mean, these were decisions and, and roads that were built 20, 40, 50, maybe even a hundred years ago. Right. And so a totally different mindset about how we move people. Yeah. And commissioner Pickering is right. This is Jimmy. Um, one of the things that our community, they don't care about who manages the roads, whether it's the city of Boise right. or the Ada County highway district. They want it to be fixed. Yeah. They're worried about their kids going to and from school. They're worried about riding their bike in their own neighborhood or, or walking to a bus stop, whatever it may be. And it could be the city of Boise. It could be ACHD. It could be anybody. They don't care. They want this problem fixed and they're afraid. And in the past, we haven't really had the city of Boise and ACHD a great partnership to be working together to solve these problems. And luckily, we mm -hmm. do with Commissioner Pickering, um, with Commissioner Hanson, with Commissioner Gold, um, a couple of those new commissioners, we finally have this partnership of saying we have to be on the same team here and this to address is these new, challenges. Uh, not to get too much into the history, but I think it's fair to say that the working relationship is uh, significantly different. It has not always been good, and I would give a lot of credit to Commissioner Pickering, and I would get a lot of give a lot of credit to um, Mayor McLean for really fostering that relationship. Uh, Nina Pinar, you come to this conversation truly from a user's perspective. The Boise Bicycle Project puts people on bikes. They, they partner people with a lifeline. 
for their jobs, for, uh, to get to school, recreation, etc. But I'm going to guess that when there is a bad accident um, and, uh, heaven forbid, a fatality, uh, people in that community, and it is a growing community, must be heartbroken and maybe even are thinking twice about getting on a bicycle. It is. It's really tough. I mean, the Boise Bicycle Project is an incredible organization that's put over 11,000 kids and individuals in need on bicycles. And the next step really is to make sure that every single one of those 11,000 bikes have safe places to ride. Mm. And that's where I come in. And I've been working really hard with Jimmy and Commissioner Pickering to make sure that those kids and those individuals actually have safe places to ride. Um, you're, you're titled Director of Bicycle Advocacy. Yes. What, how do you spend your days? That's a good question. I mean, my days look very different on a day-to-day scale. Sometimes I'm out riding my bike with kids. Uh, Sometimes I'm behind my desk coming up with strategies to create the strongest bicycle community possible. And that's really my goal for this year is to get people out and get them rallying and get them to support Jimmy and Commissioner Pickering because they're doing fantastic work. And there comes a point in every city and they have to make a choice whether they're going to become a bike-ped city mm. for the people yeah. or whether they're going to continue down the path that's maybe not the right path. And I really truly believe that we're on that cusp right now and that change is happening. And for that change to really take effect and to happen, we need the community to know about it. We need people to know about all the good work that's happening and we need, to, we need them to know how they can get involved. And so that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. About... 15 hours ago, I was traveling uh, in downtown Boise on State Street. I witnessed a person just, just narrowly being hit by a vehicle, and it was State and 11th. Obviously, you know, that's been wrapped around my brain, and then I tried to think of, now when was that? It was almost a, a year to the day of uh, a gentleman in his late 70s, right, a pedestrian, who was struck and killed at, at that same location. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And, th- and this, this happens, these near accidents happen all the time. What change are you affecting or will affect sooner than later? Well, I, George, I can, this is Alexis, so I, I can speak to state, but I don't know if you want me to dive into state in particular. No, no, I'm, because this is everywhere, right? Yeah. This is, yeah. A, this, I, I think we could go all day with people just telling us these stories. Yeah. Well, of I, near misses. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's, yeah, I think, you know, your earlier point about it being an epidemic is completely spot on because mm. we see it. I mean, all of us, right, are on the roads, and I think we all see a near miss almost every trip we take. Right. And, um, and it absolutely needs to stop. And there's, you know, some, there's a lot of it that has to do with how we design and build our road systems and things like that. But a lot of it too is. Can I pause you there? Because when you say design our roads, I mean, it's not as if we're going to tear up our roads. No. Right. No. So what do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is, you know, what, for example, one initiative that we did and we've kicked off last year is the leading pedestrian interval. So that's an example of, on State Street and 11th, we instituted that. Um, and so it, of course, isn't like this magic wand, right? But what it does is um, when you press the pedestrian um, button, you get a lead time so that you're further into the crosswalk before someone can make a right 
or a left. More visible. Uh, they're more visible, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, is that selective, by the way? Are you Have you targeted certain areas for we that? We have, yeah. So we... You'd be I mean, we've got 400 something, 440 intersections within yep. our jurisdiction. So we've got a lot. And then there's a lot of um, ramps that are not ADA compliant. And to do an LPI the, the right way, you also have that have to have that audible like walk. Right. So right. folks that are visually impaired um, know when to cross. And so we did, I think, 50 intersections this last year. With and this extra time? Yes. And what, yep. do you, what do you call this again? Uh, the Leading week? Pedestrian Interval, or okay. LPI. Got it. Yep. And so we targeted 11th. We targeted some big intersections that we're seeing a lot of those near misses on. And then we also did some of the lower hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And then we um, just actually, um, the first time ever on the commission, we approved a five-person um, safety team that we've hired and they're in charge of really instituting this initiative. And so we're actually going to be approving a 10 intersection bundle um, actually in a couple of weeks. And so so you're, you're choosing 10 intersections? That's for this next like yeah. quarter. Yeah. But it's we're, we're clumping it up into, you know, some but really you're focus important. on these 10. Yeah, this, that are really team. tricky ones. Yeah. yeah. For instance, another one is um, Orchard in, in Franklin. Yeah. So that's yeah. a really big one. We just approved three quarters of a million dollars to completely redo that intersection in terms of the signals, the mast arms, the ramps. And, you know, one thing, and it's in these types of conversations and, and items on our agenda, they're definitely not unanimous either. I think that's kind of the unfortunate piece of this is we, at the commission Where's level, the disconnect? I don't understand. Yeah. And I think it comes from a couple different places. And, um, you know, if you've seen kind of what happens at the legislature, yep. you know, they yep. they tend to not, uh, although we're, you know, supposedly a, uh, we support local government state, mm-hmm. um, there's certain folks at the legislature that actually don't abide by that mentality. Yeah, and to be clear, the legislature recently was very specific as far as the use of funds yes. for highway districts yes. and steering funds away yes. from uh, bicycle safety, uh, and right that's to, a and know. that's a direct response yeah. to us investing more in multimodal transportation. Yeah. So that's this, I think, a you know a culture shift that there's some folks at the legislature that think that if we're prioritizing, we're no longer prioritizing just cars. That somehow that means that they're getting less value or yeah. less investment for cars, which is. Not the case because we know that when we invest for the highest and best use of all users, drivers are safer. You know, there's not as much chaos for them to manage and deal with. So we know, like the studies show that we all do better when we invest and in, in make sure that all uses are supported and safe. And so I think we're, we're actually battling kind of a culture shift yeah. um, at the state level and I think in some parts of our county where they think that by investing in these really great projects that keep folks safe, that somehow detracts from what they want. Councilman, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, we were at a a tipping point of the relationship between motorists and cyclists. And the city took the lead on a number of changes, et cetera. But things were pretty tense. And I'm wondering, uh, how would you best characterize the relationship between Motorists and cyclists right now in this community. It does. There's. I do sense a, a tension again. There's a tension, and I think Commissioner Pickering said it right. I think it's a culture um, tension. Yeah. I think it's a, a culture that um, prioritizes convenience and speed 
I want to leave my house. I want to get to where I'm going as fast as I can, as easy as I can. And I don't really care about what happens in between. In a different culture, that's I want to prioritize the people um, using the road. And that's the people driving. That's the people walking. That's the people riding their bicycles and saying, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of convenience. Maybe it's 45 seconds. But how do you Maybe get Maybe it's them a couple there? of minutes. How do you get them there? And I think that that's the challenging part. But I think one of the things that we know, and this is a lesson that I learned from the Boise Bicycle Project, mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, everybody wants a kid to be able to ride a bicycle. Yeah. Everybody thinks a kid should be able to ride a bicycle or walk to school, and they should be able to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And what we see happen is when there's these terrible tragedies, people react to some of them differently. When Jaden was hit uh, walking to school, riding a skateboard to school, Um, and killed um, by a driver that ran a red light, the community reacted in a way that they didn't react to all the other ones. And it's because that's something that they could feel. That's something that they could relate to. And people really did react. They started putting pressure on me. ACHG jumped, you know, right into gear and started making rapid changes at the intersection. It was absolutely amazing to see. Mm -hmm. And that was a culture shift as well. We saw ACHD seeing something happen, saying, we need to go and fix this right away, and we need to start looking at this at a much larger level. That was something that we hadn't seen for years before in the past. And so while there is that tension, um, I think that there's more and more people that are starting to understand that we can't keep doing what we were doing for hundreds of years and designing our roads to drive um, to be as wide as they can be and move cars as fast as they can. And we want them to be differently. And if you talk to people um, in their neighborhoods, nobody wants anybody speeding through their neighborhoods. Everybody wants a crosswalk. Everybody wants an easy way to get to the park. There are things that everybody agree on, and I think that that's where we're making progress in getting there. You had made a comment earlier about, well, we're not just going to tear up the roads. We actually kind of are, Mm. um, but we have so many roads that need to be torn up. It's going to take a long time to do it. You can think about— Can you give me an example of what— how could a road be better? How could a road well, be Well, I'll talk safer? about the road right outside your office right now. So Park Center Boulevard. Park Center Boulevard. Yeah. You've got Park Center Boulevard that's three to four lanes wide, one-way roads going both directions. And you can put a 35-mile-an-hour speed limit sign on there, but that looks like a freeway. Yeah. And if it's wide enough and it has that many lanes and I'm driving, I'm naturally want to go, I'm going to want to go faster than that 35-mile-an-hour speed limit. Mm-hmm. If we actually want people to go 35 miles an hour on that road, it probably needs to be narrowed. Um, it probably needs to have intersections that get even narrower than that. It probably mm-hmm. ha- needs to have more trees that make it seem narrower. There's so many things that we need to do. And it probably needs to have one less lane on the road as well. Oh, my gosh. And so it's, it is, it's a scary idea of taking some of these lanes out. But when we actually talk about the consequences, we're not talking about major traffic buildups. We're talking about over the course of a mile, it taking you a, a minute slower you know, to go that distance. But while you're doing it, you're not putting yourself and other people at danger. Commissioner, that sounds, you know, whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But just as an example, taking a well-traveled thoroughfare yeah. and significantly making that kind of a change, it's like, wow, you're going to have to sell that. Yeah, it takes, that's why I think the coordination across, you know, ACHD in the cities and partners like Boise State or Valley mm. Regional Transit, right? It takes a lot of coordination, communication so that we're all on the same page about what our vision is for that road and also where it's taking people, right? Because it's also about the attraction, right? And I think we've talked really a lot more with our cities about what is your vision for this, Mm -hmm. for your city, 
or this part of the corridor, because then that's kind of it's the land use agencies that kind of set the tone and the vision. And then ACHD goes in and builds the roads to mm. meet that vision. Mm. And so I think with, you know, historically with ACHD not really communicating well with our cities, everyone just kind of was in this cycle of, you know, the blame game or, oh, that's convenient, right? Which now we're starting to shift that so that it's actually like, okay, cities, you need to tell us what you want us to do here. And then that's when we can follow and support that vision. So that that's also like a really big shift. I yeah, I actually just want to hop in. This is Nina. Speaking about design, there are two different ways you see that design. On 16th Street, ACHD came in and they made quick hard changes with paint, delineators, and things like that to mm-hmm. make bicyclists, bicyclists feel safer. Um, I think that's been a job really well done. That's my commute to work. And it's really made that commute so much more pleasant, just knowing that I have a dedicated space that I need to be in. With the separation, it's a reminder to cars that like, hey, there's a bike lane here. I mm-hmm. need to remember to check my blind spot when I cross the bike lane. Um, a different level of infrastructure change is something like ACHD is doing on 11th Street right now. That is a 10, 15 year long project, hard infrastructure change, raised bikeways mm-hmm. coming into every intersection. It's really beautiful. I've been writing that to work as well. It's fantastic. So there's a lot of different ways you can see design changes. Like Jimmy just said about Park Center Boulevard, there's a lot of space that we can play with. And George, if mm-hmm. this is like, so I think I want to like summarize that a little bit. So, yep. you know, there's the really big, big shifts in terms of reconstructing a road like Jimmy was talking about. We're currently looking at concepts for State Street from 14th to 8th. So on State Street. Um, so and, that and whole for section. For the record, would that uh, require the, the ITD? Uh, Actually, to, for oversight it on doesn't state? It because doesn't. Oh, okay. um, State Street from Gary Lane West is ITD, mm-hmm. but Gary Lane East is ACHDs. Wow. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that. No, they don't. And Broadway okay. is ITDs. We get yeah. that question a lot, but Broadway yeah. is a highway and that's ITDs as well. But wow. um, so, yeah, so that one, we're actually going to be doing a whole rebuild because the pavement is in such disrepair. So that's an example when it would warrant okay, how can we reimagine this road infrastructure? And so we're, we've, all things have been on the table. So it's currently, you know, a four lane strode, which means it tries to like serve all different users. It's really fast, but then, you know, we've got the Y, they're doing this massive remodel, right? Like, and then there's also going to be a ton of redevelopment. So it's not going to be what we see it as today. And so really the next task over the next six months is, talking to the community that lives um, and travels through there and saying, okay, with all this development, is this really the best use? Is a five-lane arterial really the right use? Is a four-lane arterial the right use? Or should it be three? Or should it Mm. feel like a boulevard, right? So Mm. those are the big questions that we're going to be asking communities. And more often than not, especially with the help of Nina and like other partners that try to explain what this road will feel like when it's built, is that we get the neighbors, the schools, those partners say, we don't want the five lane because it comes with all of these trade-offs. It's higher speeds, it's all of these things. And also it's more expensive for ACHD, right? Because we have to go in and then maintain all that road. And so there's also those types of trade-offs. But back to kind of like the smaller pieces, right? We can do paint, we can do um, separations, and that could be like concrete or semi-permanent, or also things that we well, can just unbolt. Well, you call unbolt. them smaller, but it is—it's interesting because that's where we live. 
and it seems yeah. very big to us at, at a very personal level. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's all of these changes have a massive impact on folks' life, yeah. and that's why I really enjoy being at the commission because there's very few local positions where someone can call me and say, hey, this thing is giving me a hard time or I've seen this be um, a challenge for someone and we can go work through that and solve it. And that completely changed that person's life. And that's what I love about this position because it's something that people don't think about, but it's behind the scenes and it's integral to basically how this community runs, right? So we have a really important duty to make sure that folks can do that safely, regardless of what mode of transportation they take. Um, but yeah, so basically there's a ton of ways that we can um, reimagine or build our infrastructure to be safe, but it takes, again, like that coordination, it takes a vision, it takes the community telling us how they use that road, because oftentimes, you know, we've got our engineers and planners and they know, right, what what typically works best for speed or convenience or whatever, but they don't they might not necessarily live on that road. So mm. that's where we really need the community to engage with us and say, this is what we want to see or this is the pain point that we're seeing. So try to fix that. So it, it takes all of these partners working together to make sure that we get this right. Councilman, is it your sense that we have adequate enforcement of our roads? No, no, we don't. Um, and I think that even law enforcement would tell you that they don't. Um, I mean, we have staffing shortages in law enforcement, yeah. among other departments at the city as well. As the city grows, as we put in more roads, uh, there's just a much larger difficulty in actually being out there trying to enforce those things. As the city is experiencing other more complex crimes, mm -hmm. those are pulling officers in a lot of different directions. And oftentimes people will request, hey, there's so much speeding going on in my neighborhood. Right. Can we get a police officer over here, and, and sometimes we're able to honor that request. We're able to get a police office, officer stationed there, and for that brief amount of time, they're able to give people a few tickets, but that police officer is not gonna be there forever. Right. And so there's, there's a couple things that we, you know, in my opinion, that we really need to do. One is we have to design streets at the speed um, that we actually want people to go. Mm -hmm. And So when you say design streets at the speed, does that mean? Self-enforcing streets. Um, okay, but can we adjust speed limits now? Absolutely. And ACHC and the I city mean, of Boise have worked really hard together. Example, Warm right? Springs has a speed reduction. Yeah. Harrison Boulevard has had a speed yeah. reduction. 15th Street a couple of years ago had a speed reduction. Mm -hmm. um, 27th Street is a great example of a street um, that actually was, it didn't have a speed reduction, but it was redesigned to actually be that speed. It used to be two lanes going both ways. Um, we put in Whitewater Park Boulevard, and we redesigned 27th Street with better bike lanes, with bulb outs, and made it a more pedestrian-friendly street. And now people actually use it at the speed that we mm -hmm. want them to be going. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we have to be looking at is just the way that law enforcement might be able to use technology. And this is, can sometimes be a controversial topic, but police departments all over the country are looking at how they can use technology to aid them in better enforcing the street. Not eliminate them, like what? But, but aid them. Um, you know, you see different things where people may have a red light camera um, in different cities where oh, yeah, somebody sure. runs a red yeah, yeah. light, yeah. automatically records them. A police mm -hmm. officer um, reviews the footage and tries mm -hmm. to figure out, did this person run that or not? That might be something that helps them move a little bit faster. You see technologies that are out there that uh, 
you know, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see a, a sign that says how fast you're going and people might be speeding. They may not actually be realizing that they're speeding. So looking at the way that we even post our speed limit so that people know, oh, it's flashing now. I'm going 40 miles an hour instead of the 35 that I'm supposed to go. And that's an ACHD project and, and we fund those types of feedback signs. George, one of yeah. the things I want to make sure that this is Jimmy again, that I, that I make sure people know is we're having these conversations. This is pretty easy conversations for us to have because we know all the terms that we're using mm -hmm. um, when we're talking about delineators, ITD, ACHD, all these different types of things. It took a lot of time for me um, to learn a lot of this language. And I want to make sure that, uh, Nina, you can talk just a little bit about what you're doing to actually train people to be better invo involved in bicycle advocacy because that's made a difference as people have come and testified at the city, and I've seen it make a difference as people have gone and testified at ACHD in favor of policy, in favor of projects. We, last month, we had a really great training with- Your bicycle advocacy committee. Sorry, yes. Yeah. At, at the Boise Bicycle Project, mm -hmm. we have a bicycle advocacy committee mm -hmm. that goes through different things. We have workshops every single month where we learn a new little bit about how to be a better bike advocate. That's okay. everything from testimony training that we just had with Commissioner Pickering and Jimmy last month where we had a room full of 25 people that are really excited to learn how to be a better bike advocate how to communicate what they would like to say you do to this how officials often? every month and obviously these are public these are public anyone can join um we have to we yeah. have to share this absolutely we can share this uh, all the this. information and you do this every month every month okay. all the information is on the the bbp website you can yeah. sign up um, to join our committee it is honestly for anyone and everyone that wants to learn more about bicycle advocacy, how to change a city that we live in right now, how to build those self-enforcing streets. I mean, those are the things that we're learning about. What is a self-enforcing street? I mean, to so many people, that doesn't really make sense. And that's really about building a road that doesn't need that little speed camera to tell you how fast to drive. Hmm. You just naturally drive that speed because that's what the road is telling you in to science. Drive shows that works absolutely yeah science shows that trees work yeah. street art works traffic calming traffic calming means we have we all know traffic calming is speed bumps yeah but it is also chicanes <coughs> chicanes is a little right. bulb out that yeah. you know narrows your road at some point and that can look it can make your city look prettier as well you can use trees and trees and, and you can art. use um art you can use um planter boxes yeah you know our city doesn't have to just be concrete. Mm -hmm. As soon as you build a city that seems exciting and vibrant and something that's comfortable and safe, people do step out of their cars. Councilman, we're, we're leaning toward the zoning code here. <laughs> um, but, but, but I have actually heard a couple of discussions uh, involving council and sometimes commissions on appeals or zoning, et cetera. And all of a sudden, when, when people are either saying, I'm not so sure about adding this many apartments to my neighborhood because of this crosswalk, you're having conversations about what we're talking about here in those zoning decisions. Oh, we're absolutely having conversations. Somebody comes in downtown and they want to put in a large housing complex yeah. and maybe somebody doesn't want it to be there. And in order to make that work, um, to make it more affordable for the people that are living there, they might be asking for a parking reduction. And then people lose their minds because they're, they're worried that people are going to you know, park on the street and park everywhere and all these different types of things. And then we have to start having these big discussions of, no, this is part of the culture change that we're talking about. These might be one-car households instead of two-car households right. because they're going to be close to downtown and they're going to be right next to a bus stop and they actually go right by 11th Street bike lane 
and it's a really easy place to go and walk to the grocery store that's down the street. And so uh, Commissioner Pickering said this earlier, but it's tied to how the city wants to use the land, which is how people live there, how people interact with you know the businesses that are there, the parks that are there, the on-street infrastructure that is there, and then the culture of getting people actually out there walking and biking and appreciating those types of things. Um, in Boise, part of our history is that everybody has just owned a car, and you probably had at least two of them, if not more, in your driveway. If you're in a bigger city, you actually don't want to have a car because it's inconvenient because you can walk and bike to most of the places that you need to go. And that's not going to be everywhere in our city, but it is going to be some spots. And no matter who you are, where you live, you probably want to be able to walk to a coffee shop, an ice cream shop, maybe mm-hmm. a brewery and a restaurant. So or if you a park. Ha- or a park. <laughs> and if you have a or couple of those belt. things yeah. in your neighborhood, yeah. you're still going to drive for some of your trips, but maybe not all of them. And how can we make sure that we're designing streets that allow people to have that experience while they're in their own neighborhood. Mm. And Jimmy, uh, this is Nina, that's a great point. We're not asking people to ride their bike permanently. Mm-hmm. We're asking people to do maybe one or two trips of their day by bike or by foot. So we're really not asking to change the entire city and pull up all the roads. I drive my car as well, but I also ride my bike a lot and mm-hmm. I also walk. Mm-hmm. It's really building a city that gives everyone a choice to move how they want to move around the city. And that's what we need to do. Commissioner, tell me again, you're going to be reaching out to the public. Uh, so, so what is this project that, that, that you talked about? The State Street Project. Yeah. So is this a 2024 event where you're actually going to be having community outreach? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Basically, the, the stretch from 15th to actually 2nd Street yeah. okay. has been a really big priority for a while. Just mm-hmm. like I said, back to that pavement um, degradation, it's, it's been a really, uh, it's in poor shape. So we need to go in and fix it. And so we've made progress on 2nd to 6th Street. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. improved those ped ramps. So those are all ADA compliant. We did some bulb outs where we could. So those are where... The curb gets pushed up to the travel lane, so it's easier and um, you have less a shorter crossing distance. Um, and so now we've been in an unprecedented move, and, and this was commission directed to our staff that we build a steering committee made up of the city's leadership, VRT, Valley Regional Transit, um, some CCDC membership as well, because also that's it's on the cusp of our urban renewal district and um, an ACHD. And we've brought in a team of consultants from all across the country that specialize in understanding this type of complicated road. So basically what we've got here is a four-lane road that um, is unsafe, that is not really serving any user well. And it's a very important corridor for Valley Regional Transit. So and again, I'm sorry, stretches to how far up? To six, so far the, up? Whole, 15, the whole 16? scope of the project is 16th to 16th. 2nd. But where we're now at for 2024 in this mm-hmm. next phase is from 14th to 8th. So that's the biggest chunk right there. Mm-hmm. It, that's where it whittles down from four lanes. And then you see that turn lane from 9th right to get into downtown. And then it narrows to get behind the Capitol. So mm-hmm. it's a really important segment right there. And basically, we're going to be going out to the public here in early spring, May-ish, mm-hmm. with some c- concepts. So we're going to show, hey, neighborhoods, hey, folks, we've got this idea, this idea, or this idea. Which one do you like the best? For which reasons? Which ones do you like the least? Um, and so from there, 
basically by the end of this year, the commission is going to approve a design. And then we're going to go out and build that next year. So these next few months, while we're fine-tuning that design, um, we're going to be really eager to hear folks' opinions about this because what's also really important about this project is this is going to be in concrete. And so that's kind of a nuance that I don't think most people understand. But we have to do concrete because we can't chip seal and we can't Mm -hmm. do that because it's a massive urban environment. But concrete is very expensive. And concrete lasts a long time. And so if we're going to do this right, this this that segment is supposed to last 75 years. Wow. So we need to be thinking, okay, how can we design this road segment that's going to serve people for an entire generation, right? So that's the task at hand, which is why I'm taking it super seriously, um, especially given the, the near misses and crashes that we've seen um, and folks that have died on that corridor. So... Um, it's going to take it's going to be all hands on deck for the next few months. And I really encourage folks to share their opinions with us and not just think it's another it's just another road because it's all roads are unique and all roads are really important and special. But this one, I think, especially since I've been on the commission, is probably the most complicated segment that we've ever dealt with and try and, and are trying to also reimagine how it could be better used with all of those partners involved. I'll, I'll leave it at this. More than a few people will probably be listening to us uh, while behind the wheel of a car or uh, in their earbuds as they're cycling through the community. What do we need to do more of that we're not doing? Well, one place that I would start, and this is uh, Jimmy Halliburton again, is to actually think about some of the things that are being done. Because mm-hmm. um, what's going to happen is it's, the weather's going to start getting nicer here in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Kids are going to start walking to school again. They're going to start riding their bikes to school again. Other people will get out of their cars a little bit more. And people are afraid right now. Um, they're thinking about last year. They're thinking about some of these tragedies that happened. And they don't necessarily see the change that's happening around them. And one of the things that I want to make sure that listeners know, no matter how they're getting around, is what's being done. Mm. Um one of the things that we don't always see is that we have this great ACHD commission right now who's approved some absolutely amazing projects. And some of those have actually unfolded. You see Kootenai Street's probably the safest Kootenai has ever been mm-hmm. in its history if you're walking or biking and driving. But there are so many projects that they have approved that we don't see yet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. those are going to mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. a year, two years, sometimes a decade to actually move forward. But the way that they've adopted new policies, when these roads get designed, they have to get designed in a better way. Mm-hmm. The bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure have to be better than they were designed before in the past. So when those projects do come around, they will get better. And so that's that incremental change, but it will add up and it will make a huge difference. While they're doing that, at the city of Boise, we have this brand new traffic fatality review task force. It's the worst task force that you could ever want to be on. Yeah. But we're having the hardest conversations that you could possibly have Um, and addressing some of our major problems that we're experiencing, trying to find those common themes, and moving action forward as fast as we can as a city, as ACHD together, um, the city of Boise working together at the same time. We also recently passed our Pathways Master Plan, 112 miles of Greenbelt-style pathways Mm -hmm. across our entire city. So folks who may not feel actually comfortable riding on the road may have a pathway in their own backyard that borders a canal, a railroad track, um, another piece of a um, right-of-way that is available for them to be able to use. 
So these systems are growing across the board. We're investing in Valley Regional Transit so people have the opportunity to take the bus and get a few more cars off the road. And it's taking time for all these things to unfold, but it's happening. And I think one of the things that I get excited about is then I move over to the like the advocacy world and I look at what Boise Bicycle Project's doing. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are kind of putting you know the pressure on and trying to move that needle a little bit faster, mm-hmm. pushing for these more rapid changes, whether that's paint on the ground or street art or these bolted in delineators instead of, you know, these concrete curbs that would have taken a year to have put in. It's exciting to see the agencies working together, but then grassroots organizations like BBP um, pushing at the same time. So I want people to know that it's getting better. And every single day, our streets, the infrastructure on them is getting better. Um, but we still have issues and we still have problems. But we've got a group of people that are dedicated out there to addressing those. Um, that may not exist forever. And so people need to, if that's what they want, they need to be pushing for that. They need to be voting for that. They need to be supporting organizations that are pushing that forward as well, because it could go away and it could shift back to the way that things were being done. And that's just something that I don't believe we can do. So George, I would mm-hmm. answer your question is, you know, I think the work that Nina is doing and how folks that are listening today, like what they can do to, to kind of be part of this movement is just kind of pay closer attention to the road infrastructure and notice, hey, I don't like it, or I notice I speed on this road versus I really feel safe or I'm going the speed limit on this different road segment, right? And kind of look at, okay, how I know what it feels like to be in an unsafe or fast-moving road system, but I don't know the elements, right, the, the pieces and parts that make that safer or less safe. But I want folks to notice, like, hey, take a conscious effort and be present in that feeling of, like, okay, I want what that road is like applied to this road mm-hmm. in my neighborhood, right? So kind of being mindful of the different parts and pieces that we have done some of this change and engage ACHD. What do we engage. do with that? Right? In yeah, other words, so that, that's what let's I'm saying. Say I yeah. form that opinion. What do I do form with that? Form that opinion. There's a lot of ways to get involved. I've, I think if you have a neighborhood association, that's a great way to do it. But also ACHD has, we have a new website, and there's a great tool where you can sign up for alerts on all different types of projects, commission decisions. And so we will let folks know now that, hey, by the way, this project in your neighborhood is coming up. And so that's a really great spot for you to say, you know, write your commissioner or show up to testify, um, engage with our um, team as they design that project in your neighborhood, right? We're going to have open houses. We're going to do, we're going to do surveys. So participate in that outreach. And I can't say enough how impactful it has been seeing more people come to the commission and testify. Usually we don't have, we don't have very many people, right? So really having a couple voices, I know everyone's busy and everyone has so many demands on their time, but we take it super seriously when folks make that extra effort to either write to us or show up and testify and explain this is my road and this is what I'm seeing and please do this differently in this way. And so I can't, I can't uh, emphasize enough how meaningful and impactful it is when people engage with us mm-hmm. and um, tell us what we need to know about their road. I absolutely agree. You know, there's a lot of good work that's happening out there right now. Mm-hmm. And that I just want listeners to know that if they enjoyed this conversation, if they liked what Jimmy is saying, if they liked what 
uh, Commissioner Pickering is saying there is a way to get involved, and that mm-hmm. way to get involved is through the Boise Bicycle Projects Advocacy Committee. If you head to our website, to the advocacy page right now, you can sign up and you can join this committee to learn more about all the different terms we're talking about, different projects happening. How do I testify? How do I change a road? How do I change policy? All of that's being... And fun stuff too. And fun stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that is really what we want to do this year is we're launching three committees, policy, outreach and events. Mm. There's a lot of fun events happening out there Mm. um, that's really designed to get people out of their cars and onto their bikes and walking and have kids playing in the street and dogs and families. Right. Councilman, to your earlier point, thousands of more kids are mm-hmm. about to hit the streets mm-hmm. in March, right? I mean, that it's it's a rite of spring you know, to, to ride your bike to school. A lot more kids are going to be on the sidewalk. And the answer isn't driving those kids to school no, and yeah, getting off no, your bikes are, or not walking. This is what walking. kids want to do. That's right. And so this is a critical time. Yeah, we yeah. need we need people out there walking and biking, and I think that yeah. that's one thing that I want to make sure that people know is that it does feel scary right now, and yeah. there have been some actual, absolutely tragic things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also people that are walking and biking every single day, um, and they're doing it well. They're doing it safely. They're paying attention. They're being defensive. They're doing all these different types of things. We need drivers to be doing the same thing. We need that that emphasis of safety to be on the drivers as well, and not just on the people riding their bikes. But the more people that walk. And the more people that ride, the more that drivers start looking for them and paying mm. attention. There's this incredible safety in numbers phenomenon, and it's a real thing, and it exists. And if people stop walking and they stop riding and they get into their cars more, it has the opposite effect. Um, and so it should be fun. It should be enjoyable to get on your bike and go for a ride. It should mm. be enjoyable to walk from your house around your block um, into school. And we want to make sure that that's the kind of culture and the environment that we're creating. BBP does a great job at that. ACHD, I would say for the one of the first times in a long time, has really taken amazing strides in that direction. And I know us over at the city are working hard for that same type of culture as well. That was Boise City Councilperson Jimmy Halliburton, Nina Pinar, Boise Bicycle Project Director of Bicycle Advocacy, and Alexis Pickering, Ada County Highway District Commission President. They were talking with our Morning Edition host, George Prentice, about traffic accidents and the City of Boise's Vision Zero Task Force, which is working to find new ways to stop these crashes before they ever happen. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.